back home. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about building energy-efficient homes. For folks who own a home or rent, the energy efficiency of their heating and cooling systems directly translates into how much money is spent each month to either heat the home in cold weather or cool the home in hot weather. Fortunately, for the power companies and oil companies, almost everyone accepts the inevitability of paying increasingly expensive monthly bills for this energy. Unfortunately, for your bank account and the environment, there's very little being done by the housing industry to build homes that are more energy efficient, even though many inexpensive techniques are available to reduce a home's energy consumption. The problem of poorly designed homes is not strictly an American problem, but we certainly lead the world in doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. For example, we know that the more a home is insulated, the less heat it will lose in the winter and the less heat it will gain in the summer. Despite this clear fact, homes are still being designed with minimal insulation. We know that homes can be designed to take advantage of the free heat energy of the sun in the winter, but few conventional homes are built to take advantage of this fact. Even though we know that building a home with lots of thermal mass, like concrete or rockwork, will help significantly in balancing the temperature in a home and provide free summertime cooling, again, very few homes are built with this feature. We know that building into the earth will save huge amounts of energy because the home draws heat up in the winter or cools down in the summer. Yet... Most homes built today have all four sides in the roof completely exposed to the elements. Now, before building contractors complain that I'm criticizing them unfairly, for the most part, the home building industry does respond to what the home buying public wants, or at least what the builders think they want. As more home buyers realize that you can build a home that will, for the most part, heat itself in the winter and cool itself in the summer, conventional building contractors will begin to look seriously at what many non-conventional builders have known for decades. And that is, for the same amount of money, you can live in a home that is nearly energy self-sufficient, which can easily save thousands of dollars each year in energy costs. There are lots of alternatives to conventional homes, and one that's gaining in popularity around the country is to build a dome home. The round shape is inherently space-efficient and energy-efficient. They can be built in a variety of sizes and with wonderful floor plans. They're extremely easy to super-insulate and are often made from concrete if you want a zero-maintenance home. Dome homes almost beg to be customized to your personal plans, and believe it or not, there are even do-it-yourself dome home kits. Dome homes aren't for everyone, but they are one very appealing option among many that will help reduce our energy consumption, reduce the environmental impacts of heating and cooling, plus, of course, reduce your monthly expenses. 
More information on energy-efficient dome homes is available from Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. The news from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to your community spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. Guess what? Yes, it's, it's Friday morning. It's between 10 to 10.30. And wow, here, here I am in the radio station. How did that happen? <laughs> you are listening to your community spirit with Ord de Energy Mon and Tree Song de Tree Song. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to send a shout out to a friend of mine who might be listening in Bangkok. Ah. She actually she's been trying to call me for like almost two weeks, Sharon, um, via the internet telephone. She kept <laughs> calling me. It's um, ten hours later. I mean, not ten <laughs> hours, twelve hours later. So it's ten something p.m. There. Yeah. So um, she's staying up late to listen to your community spirit. Possibly. If possibly. not, <laughs> we can, um, we're recording it and it will be put on our website and yes. um, <laughs> you can listen to it later. Yeah. And if not, someone else might be listening to it in Bangkok right now. <laughs> yeah. So that great internet um, in the sky. Yes. So if you're listening to us from outside the U.S. or even outside Southern Illinois, why not stop by yourcommunityspirit.org and let us know that you're tuning in. I don't want to know if people <laughs> are tuning in. I want to think of not people in their underwear, but people not actually listening. Yeah. So then I can easily talk. We can feel comfortable just, oh, we're just sitting in a room talking. There's not hundreds of people listening to us right now. Hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. Now I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> there is happenings in this town, but people tend to not let us know about them. Yeah. Um, We're so happening that we know of at least one or two. Yeah, but. we just, you know, just happen to know about them. We either cause them or... Yeah, <laughs> or stumble into them with people we know. <laughs> yeah, so um, it is summer. It is hot. But that the coolest place around southern Illinois is the forest yes <laughs> there is water in the forest large lakes where you can actually get wet yeah and there are trees you can cuddle up underneath <laughs> yes um that is actually very very cool as in not hot yes trees are wonderful climate regulators so um i have been in st louis a lot and in st louis it is at least 15 degrees hotter there at least it seems that way <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's at least 15 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, happenings? Happenings, yes. Well, tonight we have the Free Film Friday. And uh, tonight at 7 p.m. we have 
This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> now, June is Music Month at the IMC, and they have movies every Friday at 214 North Washington in Carbondale. And Spinal Tap is a film written by Christopher Guest, who you may know from the movies Best of Show and A Mighty Wind. I haven't seen all of this movie, but it's it's really funny. You know, it's like a rockumentary-type movie, but it's about a made-up heavy metal band. <laughs> So it's it's the parts that I've seen are really funny. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I could see another funny film. <laughs> a rockumentary that's funny. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it's about this heavy metal band, but it's not a real one. So they put in all of these silly and fantastic, you know, happenings. <laughs> I'm sure some rock bands are silly and fantastic, <laughs> but they but, don't let people know that. Yeah, but Spinal <laughs> Tap takes the cake. <laughs> so um. Oh, yeah, and BigMuddyIMC.org is their website. <laughs> and actually, speaking of BigMuddyIMC.org, <laughs> um, if you go there, there is a news article on the front page about the Allied Media Conference, which is um, June 23rd through the 25th in Bowling Green, Ohio. The theme of the 8th Annual Allied Media Conference is From Truth to Power Because Being Right is Not Enough. In other words, if you want to use media to build grassroots power and advance social justice, this is the place for you. The AMC, Allied Media Conference, will feature hand-on workshops, panels with most of the visionary independent media organizers, awesome music performances, and a bowling party. Bowling. For the full conference schedule and to register, visit the AMC website at dub3 dot amc two thousand and six dot org. So yes, and this directly competes with the event that I am going to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Or and I are actually both leaving town uh, next weekend, and we're just going two separate ways. <laughs> I will be going to the Renewable Energy and Sustainable Living Fair. This is uh, the seventeenth annual Renewable Energy and Sustainable Living Fair, <laughs> June twenty third through the twenty fifth. And in just case you didn't know it, that is right after the summer solstice. Yes, that's probably why a lot of things are happening right now. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> beginning of um, summer. Summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. So at this conference, this uh, Sustainable Living Fair, there will be over 200 workshops and well over 200 exhibitors. If you want to see this, their schedule, it's T-H-E-M-R-E-A.org. Um, yeah. It's and put on by the Midwest Renewable Energy Association. And if you want to ride, I have one of these big, fat, gas-guzzling vans, <laughs> and it is much more feasible if I can actually pack people into it. Not only do I want to pack people into it, but if you help me with my solar booth, I will pay for you to get in. <laughs> which is, let's see, $25 for the weekend. So That's good to know. I am so special that way. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good site to check out even if you're not actually going. It's got a lot of interesting links and such. That's true. Um, if you know of a happening and want to let us know so we can let you know. <laughs> yes. There you go. Our new tagline. Let us know so we can let you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we can let all your friends know, too. Yeah. If In you case want. you don't want to talk to your friends, just let us know and we will talk to them for you. 
Yeah. yeah. And if you want, you know, we could say, you know, if you want us to, we could say who brought us happening. Like, oh, so-and-so told us about this wonderful happening. Or if you want to be completely anonymous, that's okay, too. But either way, we can help you get the word out. We will be right back with the news. To include After categorically distinct- dismissing the Kyoto Protocol last year, more than a few eyebrows were raised when the Bush administration unveiled a global warming plan of its own. The Bush plan differs somewhat from the floundering global agreement in that it seeks to make the entire planet into a smoldering fire pit. The Bush global warming plan will begin to superheat the world first by detonating all nuclear weapons in our oceans. Then, through a combination of giant oil fires, torching of forests and third world dwellings, and a new Homeland Inferno project, the world's average surface temperature should approach 350 degrees by as early as this spring. The new super-hot climate will make outdoor cookouts affordable, accessible, and simple for everyone. Mr. Bush stated that he envisions, quote, a world where every nation has that great backyard barbecue smell, unquote. And while Mr. Bush's ambitious plan has its share of detractors, few can resist the allure of a sizzling Texas barbecue and a hickory smoke-flavored planet. This hour of programming on WDBX Carbondale is sponsored in part by your membership contributions and by the Carbondale Farmers Market, bringing local food to the community. Open Saturday morning, 8 to noon through November in the West Town Mall, just west of Murdell Shopping Center. The market features homegrown in-season produce, cut flowers, ecologically grown produce, jewelry, pottery, jams, herbs, baked goods, crafts, and more. The farmers appreciate your support and remind you to think globally, eat locally. Well, I, I actually have an editorial here, but before I go to it... Yeah, yeah. well, the, the farmer's market, I actually like going to the farmer's market, and Superman made a guest appearance at the farmer's market last week. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it, the two happenings I was thinking of connected as we were playing that announcement, because farmer's market is cool, and like... You know, Superman was running around. That was actually me. <laughs> and I was telling people I was powered on local veggies from the farmer's market and the co-op. But then uh, we went out to the Superman celebration over in Metropolis, Illinois, and had a really good time out there. <laughs> yep. I, I was surprised how many people wanted to take your picture. Yeah, just wearing the Superman costume, a lot of people wanted to take my picture. You know, I could tell a few of them, it was like they were... They looked at me and they're like, oh, yay, the, the hippie Superman. <laughs> but then there were a few who were just, hey, it's a guy in a Superman costume. Let's take a picture. <laughs> okay. Um, this is my editorial. Walmart's Rocky Mountain High. Walmart has taken another encouraging step in its quest to be a more sustainable country company. Oh. I said country. Country. <laughs> they kind of are a country. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um yeah, they, their economy is like this equivalent of like f- the 50 countries or something. Like <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was a Freudian, definitely, <laughs> but a good one. Um, anyway, Walmart has hired the Rocky Mountain Institute as a consultant. RMI will work with the retail giant on efforts to double the fuel efficiency of its trucking fleet and to cut energy use in its stores. While critics may debate the motivation underlying Walmart's recent interest in energy efficiency, RMI's outreach coordinator, Corey Lau, notes that the institution founded by sustainability giants Emery Lovins and L. Hunter Lovings has no problem with a corporation taking green step to enhance its bottom line. 
Walmart certainly deserves recognition for putting its money where its mouth is and hiring one of the premier consulting firms for sustainable business development. At the same time, I can't, don't want to risk sounding like those critics that counter each positive step with a yet another demand. There's never been a particularly productive means of engaging with corporations. We do hope, though, that Walmart sees its forays in sustainable development as steps in a journey rather than destination themselves. And we're definitely optimistic, as we I know the company will certainly bring others along as it progresses down this path. Hmm. Walmart, Rock, Walmart's Rocky Mountain High, greenwashing, or the bottom line. Yes. <laughs> now, you know. Bottom line is you've got to start being green, so. <laughs> you have to be green because it saves a lot of money nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I, you can have whole... Uh, whole industry is devoted to finding ways to save money and be more ecological at the same time. So I think there's a lot ahead for that path. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, <laughs> let's feed them some oil execs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I couldn't help but read this one, if only for the title. <laughs> let's feed some oil. Let's feed them some oil execs. Hungry polar bears are eating each other. We can't think of anything to say about this. That's funny. Polar bears, deprived of their natural food by longer seasons without ice, may be turning to cannibalism. In the journal Polar Biology, American and Canadian scientists reviewed three cases of polar bear cannibalism in early 2004 in the Beaufort Sea, north of Alaska. The kills included a mama bear in her den, a case described in graphic t detail by the researchers, ensuring that we won't be able to sleep for a week. Polar bears usually eat ringed seals. They kill each other for population regulation, dominance, and reproductive advantage. But in over two decades of study, scientists had never seen polar bears stalk, kill, and eat each other. Quote, This is not a Coca-Cola commercial, said Deborah Williams of Green Group Alaska Conservation Solutions. Quote, This, is, this represents the brutal downside of global warming. You can say that again. <laughs> Straight to the source, Associated Press, 12th of June, 2006. Not a good sign when the polar bears start eating each other. All but right. Maybe we can feed them oil execs instead. <laughs> <laughs> See, they even though they, they did find a way to come up with a joke, even though they said they couldn't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> kind of a dark one, but... <laughs> well, on the animal note, here's a happy animal story. Yes. Safe in sound. Puget Sound orcas gain more protection. Florida manatees downlisted to threatened. Ninety endangered orcas in the northwest may soon swim easier as the National Marine Fishery Service proposed Friday to des designate nearly the entire Puget Sound, about 2,500 square miles of water, critical orca habitat. The usual suspect took the usual size. Developers opposed more regulation, and virus said the proposals didn't go far enough since it excludes waters less than 20 feet deep, which is prime habitat for orca prey. The proposal will be open to public comment, but could be as final as soon as November. On the opposite side of the nation, Florida's Wildlife Commission voted last week to downlist the manatee from the state's endangered species list to threaten status despite continued dangers from red tide, boats, and habitat loss. Greens contend that the commission is being pressured by development and boating issue interests. 
The manatee is listed as endangered by the feds, but that status is also being reevaluated. Oh well. You know what they say. You orca some, you manatee some. <laughs> Straight uh, to the source. I don't know what that means, but it's kinda like you win some, you lose some, but not a very good fun. <laughs> Straight to the source, the Seattle Times, the 10th of June, Seattle Post Intelligencer Associated Press, the New York Times, the 9th of June, and the Palm Beach Post, the 8th of June, 2006. Yes. Well, I know that Lord of the Rings has taught us to fear the orcas, but <laughs> orcas are actually cuddly water creatures. <laughs> so, you know, Lord I didn't of the Rings, get that reference at all. Lord of the Rings has orcs. <laughs> oh, Orcs, orcas. What? Okay. <laughs> Another bad pun. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that there's probably one Lord of the Rings fan out there just busting out laughing. <laughs> and that would probably be me. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, uh, lightning in a bottle. Bottled water companies spur fights over water rights in eastern states. Water rights battles along the domain of western states are now being fought in the eastern U.S., thanks to the bottled water industry. In 1980, Americans drank less than three gallons of bottled water per capita annually. Today, the number tops 26 gallons. Activists worry that large-scale water withdrawals deplete local wells, rivers, and wetlands. New Hampshire and Vermont have both tightened restrictions on large-scale water withdrawals this year, and a similar bill is pending in Michigan. In Maine, where bottling company Poland Springs sloops up at least 600 million gallons of water a year, a citizens group wants to require bottling companies to bid for their water, with proceeds going to the state. Bottling companies say they're being targeted unfairly and point to a recent survey that found that only 0.019% of all withdrawn U.S. groundwater is bottled. State officials smell jobs and have largely sided with the bottlers. Quote, The amount of water that could be used in Maine for this type of activity is an endless supply, says the commissioner of, ironically, Maine's Department of Conservation. <laughs> Straight to the source, the Washington Post, 12th of June, 2006. That reminds me of a, one of my favorite quotes from that old TV show, Dinosaurs. It was an episode about extinction, and a couple of the characters were saying, there's always more. That's what more is. <laughs> <laughs> a conference call with Al Gore. Two days ago, Al Gore and MoveOn.org's executive director, Eli Parsier, sat down for a conference call to chat about an inconvenient truth. <laughs> a movie that's coming out. Yes. Climate change and how to enable a cooling globe. It was great to have the opportunity to engage the man behind the slideshow and get in some of the details surrounding his presentation, the film, and what to do about it all. Among the more poignant things he said was that the necessary force to change the way the world works must come from the grassroots level. This is a guy who ran for president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Must come from the grassroots level, and it, that climate hmm. change has moved beyond just being a political issue. It is instead a moral issue that mu we must all be responsible for handling. He is proudly climate neutral. That is, he's bought enough renewable energy certificates to offset the carbon emissions he's responsible for. Hmm. Basically, you can go out and buy renewable energy certificates, and the company you're buying it from go out and install renewable energy yeah. from the money you bought. And so if you produce pollution, 
which you, if you drive a car, if you do a lot of things, yeah. you produce pollution. If you buy unsustainable vegetables to transport it to you, it produces pollution, etc. So you can sit down, how much pollution, and then buy renewable energy credits. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a good program, actually. Yeah, and he encourages everyone, from individuals to businesses to governments, to do the same. He has advice for those of us who can't offset everything or are too young to vote. Arm yourself with knowledge. Go to the movie, read a book, go to a website, find out how to be part of the solution. Bear in mind that often in America, young people have led the way to social change. Yes, and I actually, I don't usually mention films that are coming through the, uh, the big corporate theaters over there, but An Inconvenient Truth is actually coming to those big theaters on June 30th, I believe. So and it's if you want be... more information <laughs> about this, um, moveon.org. Yes, moveon.org has more info. And Al Gore, is, it's not here in the story, but Al Gore has his own site related to the movie, too. I actually saw a speech where he got up there, and, I mean, I didn't realize he was such a good speaker. He's, I guess he is now passionate what he's talking about, and he talks a lot about climate change. Yeah. Of course, he starts the whole speech with the joke, you know. <laughs> I used to be your president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you want to read at least a little bit of that. Yeah. Can at least get the part of this. Uh, let's see. Today they are holding a hearing in the California Senate Public Safety Committee to look at a bill that will, quote, grant farmers the right to grow industrial hemp to produce seeds and fibers. And this Thursday, North Dakota also... Uh, had their own public hearing on the issue. It's been almost 50 years since hemp was last legally grown in the United States, and farmers are getting antsy seeing their northern brethren in Canada turning it into good business. A record 40,000 acres of the stuff is being grown just across the border from, quote, the land of the free. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the land of the free. And hemp, hemp acreage now equal to that is under crop in Europe. And it's not only agriculturalists who are miffed. Manufacturers like Flexform have to import the hemp that they use for their natural fiber panels for the automotive industry. And apparently 2.5 million cars in North America have such panels. And the hemp foods industry in the U.S. is supposed to grow uh, 50% in the past year, too. Um... Industrial hemp contains less than three-tenths of one percent of the THC tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the element in other strains that have the psychoactive effect. So in other words, it's, you know, industrial hemp is not the stuff that gets you high. <laughs> it's just stuff that you can use for fibers, for fuel, for a lot of stuff. So they might be making it legal in California and in a few other states, maybe across the whole country. Smart. I understand they they do grow quite a bit in South Dakota, but mostly on uh, native, tr- you know, tribal lands, which are technically not a part of the U.S. Yeah. And so um, they're trying to use it as a crop to grow and make products. I mean, yeah. you can make, you can make um, clothes, you can make 
well, food from the seeds, you can make oil, anyway. Yeah, it's one of the most useful plants out there. <laughs> so, I guess I won't be back next week because I will be going to the Energy Fair. Yes. Um, if you would like to go to the Energy Fair or for more information, you may call me at 893-1717 or you may email me at tech, T-E-C-H, at aessolar.com. Yes, and if you're interested in the Allied Media Conference, you can reach me at uh, 618-525-0625 or treesong at treesong.org. I'm actually not sure yet of scheduling for whether or not I'll be here next week for the show, but either I'll be here or we'll have someone else here slinging tunes for you. <laughs> good deal. So have a good week and have a good two weeks, just in case, you know. Enjoy and, your time. <laughs> and enjoy it in the woods if possible. Yes. Oil and natural gas prices are near record highs, but much of it is going to waste. I'm Steve Pomplin for Earthwatch Radio. Consumers are feeling the bite of rising energy prices at the gas pump and in their monthly utility bills. Some experts say the higher prices might have a silver lining that could force people to conserve. Randy Udall directs the Community Office for Resource Efficiency in Aspen, Colorado. Udall says more than half of the energy we consume goes to waste. Fifty-five percent of the energy used in the United States is wasted. That is, we waste more energy than we put to productive use. For one example, in the power generation electric utility sector, about two-thirds of all the energy that flows into that sector is wasted comes out as waste heat and not as electricity. Udall says we squander even more in our automobiles. About 80% of the energy that flows into the transportation sector of the U.S. economy is wasted. So we're going to need to drill a lot more wells and to produce more energy, but the largest single challenge we face is, is making American buildings and automobiles much more energy efficient than they are today. And the good news is we know how to do that. It's not rocket science. There's lots of ways that we can do that. We've made some progress over the past two or three decades. There's just a lot more work to do. And, and as soon as we get serious about it, I, I'm confident that we'll make enormous headway. Udall says we're going to have no choice. The economies of China, India, and other developing countries are rapidly growing, driving up world demand for oil. Udall says we can't afford to waste it. For more information about this story or others you hear on Earthwatch Radio, visit our website at ewradio.org. Earthwatch Radio is a service of the Gaylord Nelson Institute and the Sea Grant Program at the University of Wisconsin.